What's up, fight fans, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Mat here on the Final Timeout Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Forbes Crowley, ripping this episode solo here, this 11th episode of The Mat. Uh, I'm going to be giving you all of my UFC 280 picks for an absolutely incredible, incredible card. Uh, we have Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the lightweight title. Um, on top of that, we have Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw for a bantamweight title. Um, Pieter Jan versus Sean O'Malley, uh, number one ranked contender in the bantamweight division versus the number 12 ranked contender in the bantamweight division. Then we have a nice top 10 ranked fight uh, in the lightweight division. Benal Darius versus Matsuv Gamrat. That's going to be exciting. Um, and even in... Uh, the prelims, we have multiple top 10 fights. Uh, in the welterweight division, we have Bilal Muhammad versus the undefeated Sean Brady. Uh, and then before that, we have in the light heavyweight division, Volkan Ozdemir versus Nikita Krylov. I mean, this this card is going to be absolutely exciting. We have a 2 p.m. main card start time Sorry uh, for this Abu Dhabi card. Um all right, I'll just hop right into it. Um, all right, so before I get into these insane, insane fights on this UFC 280 card, I'm going to go in a little bit and talk about some uh, rising stars that are also on this card. Uh, in the second fight on the early prelims uh, is Muhammad Makayev, an 8-0 fighter out of the UK. Um you know, this guy's been special. I've been lucky enough to see his first two UFC fights in which he won um, a unanimous decision in his first fight in round one and then won by de uh, decision in a hard-fought um, fight uh, in July against Charles Johnson. Um, this guy seems like he is absolutely the real deal. 8-0 uh, with one no contest. Um you know, it does not go to decision very often with him. Uh, he is a minus 1,200 favorite in a flyweight uh, fight against Malcolm Gordon, uh, Canadian Malcolm Gordon. Um, you know, both of them are 5'7", um, generally just about the same reach. But Muhammad, is, his takedown average, his takedown um, achievability is insane. Um, his submission average... You know, I think that it's crazy to hear a, a 1,200, minus 1,200 favorite, but Muhammad's got that, you know, that credibility behind him, and I think that's a fair one. I think uh, you toss a dollar on him to make a cent, and that's easy money, even if it's nothing. I guarantee you that, uh, that Muhammad gets that win. If I had to say, I'd say by submission, so if you want to make it a little interesting... Go for it and uh, and rip it, Muhammad Makalev, um, by submission. I mean, Makalev, sorry. Um, he's a rising star. I think he could be very dangerous in this flyweight division um, once he kind of gets some wins accumulated in, uh, beneath him. And I see Malcolm Gordon, his opponent, having, having a tough time here. So excited to see this one on the prelims. Um, and then another guy... That I have liked is Chao Borillo. Um, I may have butchered that uh, pronunciation. I'm not positive, but he's a guy that I've watched his past couple fights. Um, very impressive. You know, he's not necessarily 
uh, a submission artist, but you know he's been just winning fights. I mean, he's four zero in his UFC career, um, twelve and one in his mixed martial arts career, um, with three decision wins and one TKO win. Um, he's fighting. Uh, Mukhmud Muradov, uh, also in the prelims, you know, he's a minus 200 favorite. That's one that's going to be interesting. You know, he's struggled, I'd say, in some fights, uh, his last two fights previously in the UFC. Um, Muradov is, is a scary dude, 6'2", to Chow's 5'10". Um, you know, he's, the reach is 75 inches for both, but we both, we, uh, everybody knows that um, you know, a four-inch height advantage is going to give you a bit of a reach advantage. Um, you know, Chow's got the takedown advantage and everything. He's not a submission artist, so that'll be interesting to see if he get if he takes this fight to the ground. Um, will, will Muradov try and um, go for some type of submission that Baralo is not expecting? Um, you know, I'm going to go with the young and up-and-coming Chao Baralo, um, but this is a less sure thing than uh, the minus twelve hundred fight that uh, Mohammed Makhev was. But I have faith in Baralo. You know he's shown that he's a strong, strong up and comer. Um, excited, excited to see him fight. Um, and then we come to um, you know one of our five top ten ranked fights on this card, which is. A pretty insane thing to say. Um, we have Volkan Azdemir versus Nikita Krylov. Um, this is just a great, great fight in um, the lightweight division. Um, Krylov is ranked number 10 with Volkan number 8. Um, Krylov, 28-9 record, minus 170 favorite with Volkan, uh, plus 145 underdog, 18-6. and six. Um record i mean this is just going to be a fun fun fight i'll start um with volkan um i mean he's been in the ufc i believe 10-ish fights um he's fought a lot of the top guys i mean he's fought for the title against the absolute legend dc in which he lost by tko um he lost by submission to Anthony Smith, who's challenged for the title. Dominic Reyes, he lost by split decision, who's challenged for the title. Uh, he lost by TKO to Yuri Prozaska, the current lightweight champion, um, and lost to Magla, Magomed uh, Ankalov, who um, is on his way to trying to get a title shot. So um, he's fought a lot of the who's who. He hasn't beaten a lot of the who's who, but he's also beaten guys like Alexander Rachik, Paul Craig, um, Ovin St. Peru, more commonly known as OSP, um, that was in his UFC debut. So this guy, you know, he's been around the block, um, 18 and 6 fighter. Anybody who's got 20 plus fights in mixed martial arts uh, is going to be dangerous. So, but then, yeah, we look at Nikita Krylov, some, a guy that we've talked about in the past. Um, you know, he's only got seven UFC fights, but similarly to Volkan, he's fought a lot of the who's who, you know, he made his UFC debut against Jan Blahovich in which he lost by submission. Um, he 
then won by submission against OSP, Alvin St. Pierre, that we just talked about. Lost to Glover Teixeira, uh, former title challenger by split decision. Then beat Johnny Walker, um, exciting new fighter, um, by decision. Then lost to Magomed Ankalov, lost to Paul Craig, and then beat Alexander Gustafsson in a fight that we discussed earlier this year. Um, you know, Krylov lands hard, hard punches. Um, you know, both orthodox fighters, they're both, I think, going to come out really... I, I don't see this being a big um, submission-type battle. Um, I think this is going to be a stand-up-type battle. Um, you know, both of them have very, very impressive strikes landed per minute. Um, Volkan has 4.76 strikes landed per minute, while Krylov has uh, 4.5, sorry, significant strikes landed per minute, which... Um, is a very different thing than just strikes landed per minute. So, you know, I see this being a very, very exciting fight leading into our couple last prelim fights. Um, you know, with this one, I'm going to go with Krylov by decision. Um, I don't have, I'd say, a whole lot of faith in his finishing ability, even though he did finish Alexander Gustafsson in his last fight on July 23rd. That was more kind of an Alexander Gustafsson who's been struggling hasn't been the same fighter when he's come out of uh retirement was it twice now um but Krylov hits hard um my Ukrainian guy I think uh you know I, I think he's really gonna go out show out and I have him beating Volkan by by decision in this one and now that brings us to an extremely extremely exciting uh, welterweight fight between the number 8th ranked Sean Brady who's 15 and 0 versus the 5th ranked Bilal Muhammad uh, 21 and 3 record Sean Brady's coming out of the minus 140 favorite with Bilal Muhammad as the plus 120 underdog you know this one's going to be very interesting um, Bilal Muhammad's been around for a while he's been fighting kind of the who's who of the welterweight division besides really uh, you know the champs um, he's He's beaten Stephen Thompson by decision. He's beaten Vincente Luque by decision. He had an unfortunate lo uh, no contest with Leon Edwards due to eye pokes. Um, but I really think that the biggest thing that comes out when we talk about Bilal Muhammad, um, even though it's remember the name, it's forget the fight. Because, you know, he hasn't had a fight that is finished before stoppage time uh, since 2019 when he submitted Takashi Sato. Um, and before that, it, it was 2016. So, you know, you see a Bilal Muhammad fight, don't expect to see necessarily fireworks. Um, you probably expect maybe a more technical fight where he's going to, yeah, get the takedowns that he he had uh, against Vincente Luque uh, in their rematch to get the wins that he needs or... Um, you know, the technicality that he had against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson to really prove that he technically was the better fighter, even though, you know, it wasn't the most impressive thing. Um, so, you know, it's going to be an interesting fight um, in this welterweight division. Um, you know, obviously now that title is a lot more open given that Leon Edwards had the head kick heard around the world against Kamara Usman. Yes, they have their uh, rematch, I believe, uh, early 2023. But, 
you know, the welterweight division just became a lot, lot more open. So I think this is going to be an incredibly, incredibly exciting fight. Um, you know, both of them orthodox fighters. Sean Brady, though, 15-0 and as a fighter, 5-0 um, in the UFC. His most impressive win, uh, I mean... Christian Aguilera and Jake Matthews, those submission wins were impressive, impressive. Uh, and then his Michael Chiesa win uh, was just domination uh, from start to finish. Um, he's got more of that versatility in terms of TKOs and submissions um, than I would say Bilal Muhammad has. Bilal Muhammad is just going to technically outperform you um, and... I just don't think that that's enough once you get within, you know, the top five of the welterweight division. Blah um, Muhammad has kind of skated on these these dubs uh, that, you know, none of us really talk about. Uh, you know, who was the last person that talked about his Vincente Luque fight, his Stephen Thompson fight, uh, Damian Maya. Uh, you know, the these are fights that no one really remembers. Sean Brady, you know, you look at him and you're like, you know, yeah, one unanimous decision for that two submissions he's got a cage warrior or cage fury fighting championship uh tko win you know so i i'm going with sean brady staying undefeated i think this minus 140 is a good call uh, i'm going sean brady tko second or third round um you know it'll be interesting because this won't be a five round fight um, maybe Blah Muhammad can get more of those technical points, so it's going to have to be Sean Brady coming forward a bit more um, than maybe he's used to. But you know, I think Sean Brady's this uh, you know a special type of fighter, a guy that could very well be fighting for the welterweight championship in a couple fights. Honestly, you know, this could be a fight where he could challenge. You know a Gilbert Burns or a Kamzat Chimaev or a Colby Covington, you know, we talked about the fact that Kamaro versus Leon is going to happen, but, um, you know, Sean Brady wins this fight in dominant fashion. He's in a title eliminator fight uh, against kind of the person of his choosing. So that's going to be extremely exciting. It's going to be a fight that's going to um, be the last prelim fight before we kick off. Uh, probably one of the most exciting cards that, I've covered uh, my entire podcast career, which isn't very long, but I mean, two title fights, one title limit or two title eliminator fights. This could not be more exciting. Um, so, so the first fight that we're going to cover here on the main card um, is a top 10 lightweight division fight between Matsev Gamrod versus Benal Dariush. Um, you know, Gamrod coming in with a 21 and one record Darius coming in with 21-4-1 record. Um, Darius is the plus 160 underdog with Gamera being the minus 190 uh, favorite. You know, this is very exciting, um, especially in my opinion when you look at the lightweight division being the most um, exciting division in the UFC. I think, obviously, we have this title fight, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. But, you know, this you could very well see as a title eliminary eliminating fight um sorry you know if charles oliviera wins this fight he will have beaten everybody in the top five within uh two calendar years in the forms of michael chandler justin gagey dustin poirier and islam makachev um 
you know, we have Rafael Fitziev calling for one a title shot or a fight against Justin Gagey, but, you know, this fight, this Gamrot um, Darius fight could very well be another title eliminator fight because at the end of the day, do we really want to see Dustin Poirier fight for a third time to try and win the belt or Justin Gagey fight for a third time to win the belt or Michael Chandler get another questionable early you know UFC title fight do, or do we want to see some guys who maybe have actually earned their stripes and to get to this spot now we obviously have to look at the people that both Darius and Gamrod have fought um first you know number ninth ranked Gamrod um this is going to be a sixth UFC fight um lost his first UFC fight by split decision um and then is 4-0 since then I'd say his most impressive fight was the Jeremy Stevens uh, submission in 2021. Um, while Jeremy Stevens wasn't necessarily at his peak, um, he's still a very dangerous fighter with one punch knockout power. Um, and to get him on the ground and to submit him is definitely very impressive. Um, you know, the Armin Tsarkyuk. I'm, I'm already going to admit that I just butchered that uh, pronunciation, but that was also a very impressive fight in that Gamrad dominated the striking, the significant striking in that fight. Um, you know, he's proven that, you know, this Polish Gamrad man deserves to be in the top 10, deserves to have this top 10 fight, but is is it, does he deserve a title shot from beating Darius? You know, we look at Darius who, you know, journeyman in the UFC, 10 plus fights, his last couple fights, unanimous decision over Tony Ferguson, split decision against Diego Ferreira, uh, TKO Scott Holtzman, TKO Drucker Close, um, submission Frank Camacho, submission uh, Drew Dober, and then submission, or sorry, unanimous decision over Tiago Moses when he was in the lightweight division. Um, you know, these are very, very impressive wins. This is a seven-fight win streak that Darius is on. Um, you know, you look at the only people who have longer win streaks in the lightweight division. Those are the two people fighting for the belt. Uh, and 10 wins in Islam Makachev and 11 in the champion Charles Oliveira. Um, so just because you may not recognize every single name you see on uh, Darius's... Um, pardon me, Darius's fight resume, um, he's beaten the guys necessary to put him in this position. Um, you know, Gamrot is the minus 190 favorite with Darius being a, a plus 160 underdog. But, you know, overall, I think that I, I, I'm i going to go with Darius by decision here. You know, same height, same weight out of both of these guys, but Darius has about a two-inch reach advantage. Um you know, his submission game is more dangerous. Their takedowns are just about even, but, um, you know, he's landing more significant strikes per minute. His significant strike accuracy um, is more impressive. So I'm going to go with Benal Darius for a unanimous decision in this lightweight bout. You know, I'm sure if Darius wins this one, he's going to call out for the belt. Unfortunately, I don't know if he's going to be able to hop over um, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. I mean, that tale of the tape and, uh, and storyline is just too convincing for a potential uh, two-weight class uh, champ. Um, but, 
Benal Darius has had the experience and the wins that should put him in the conversation for either a title fight after this fight or at least a title eliminator fight with potentially some of those guys that we've heard of. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gagey, uh, Michael Chandler, maybe even Rafael Fitziev. Those guys who are on the cusp of um, trying to get their title shot but maybe have not had their opportunity yet or have not proved they deserve that opportunity. So with the win here, I think Dario should be a little more uh, realistic and, and call out one of those top guys instead of a uh, title fight. But I'm not going to lie, I have a feeling that if he wins this, he's going to go directly to uh, a call out for a title fight. Fair enough, but you know there are a couple other guys that I think us as fans would be more excited to see. That being said, that brings us to... The three, arguably the three best fights uh, that we might have this entire year. You know, we have Sean O'Malley, 11th ranked Sugar Sean O'Malley, 15-1. and He would say 15-0 and at the plus 220 un, uh, underdog versus the number one ranked contender, Pieter Jan, 16-3, minus 270 favorite in this bantamweight bout. Now, I think... This is the case as much as the case for our two title fights later on that this is a stylistically important match as much as it is anything else. You know, obviously, Sugar Sean O'Malley coming in 11th ranked bantamweight. Um, some say it, it's 12, but I checked the rankings the other day and he was moved up to 11. Um, versus the number one contender a former champion, Pieter Jan, um, you know, this is a very crazy fight in the sense that it was even accepted, you know, obviously this was, uh, this has been said that this was a fight that Pieter Jan wanted to fight, uh, he went out of his way to get it because he didn't like how much Sean O'Malley's being propped up and put on a pedestal in this bantamweight division. And on the other side of it, you need to understand that Sean O'Malley accepted this fight. He looked at Pieter Jan, the dominance that Pieter Jan has had in his past fights, and said, yeah, I'm going to take this guy. Um, so, you know, looking at it, Sean O'Malley, he's got a nice 4-inch height advantage and a 5-inch reach advantage. That, I think, needs to be the biggest thing that O'Malley really capitalizes on. Um, you know, both... Um, they're both switch stance guys, um, and neither of them are necessarily takedown guys. Not trying to really get the submission out of here, but so it's most likely going to be a match that's that stood up on his feet. Um, and you know, you look at significant strikes landed per minute. You look at O'Malley as seven point uh, seven five to Pieter Jan's five point five four. I mean, that's that's a significant difference. You also look at the accuracy for significant strikes. 62% for Sean O'Malley, 58 for Pieter Jan. Yes, that's 4%. That doesn't seem like it's a whole lot, but with the uh, height and reach difference in this fight, I think that's going to be very significant. Sean O'Malley needs to keep this fight really kind of on the edges of the octagon. Um, I think he's going to really need to use his length and his striking uh, to keep Pieter Jan at a distance and, you know, try and land some of those combinations that have been absolutely deadly to, to past opponents. Um, you know, you look at 
Sean O'Malley's past fights, I mean, he's 15-1. and one. Like I said, he would say he's 15-0. and 0. He had that one loss against Marlon uh, Chito Vera with the... Um, where he, he broke his ankle, and he says, you know, that was essentially, what can he really do there? He, he just got kind of screwed over. But, you know, since then, he has had four fights, three KOs, uh, and one no contest. Um, you know, Paiva, that was an impressive TKO. But then you look at the Pedro Munez fight, a guy who had never been TKO'd before, He'd been taking some shots a little bit, um, but, you know, there was nothing that you could really see to say, okay, Sean O'Malley's ready to take that next step. Um, you know, he really, it was the first round, he landed a couple of shots, but it was a lot of figuring out who the other fighter is, and then those, you know, eye pokes happened. You can argue uh, whether they were valid or whether they weren't, but they happened and the fight was called off, and you really didn't see enough to say, yeah, Sean O'Malley's ready to fight a former champion and the number one ranked contender uh, in the bantamweight division. Um, that being said, he's got all the hype in the world. He's got, you know, all the backing in the world to... He's saying that, you know, he's got it. He's just a better fighter than Peter Jan. His combinations, uh, his striking is better. So... The biggest thing is he needs to keep this fight kind of on the edges. He needs to keep Pieter Jan at a distance and use his reach to an advantage. Now, obviously, when we look at Pieter Jan, um, you know, former champion, um, obviously, his two two of his three uh, losses have. Uh, uh, come from Ultimate Sterling, and those are his only two losses uh, in the UFC. Obviously, one of those was the disqualification, uh, which was the brutal, brutally illegal um, knee to the head against Ultimate Sterling, in which he lost his belt. But, you know, he TKO'd Jose Aldo in an insane, insane fight to win his title. He TKO'd uh, Uriah Faber, and I believe that was a front kick that I was just, wow, I saw that and I was worried for your eye favor. Um, but then, yeah, had the Aljamain Sterling fight disqualified and lost his belt, which is super unfortunate. Um, then he had the Corey Sandhagen interim fight where, you know, that was a battle. That was a battle for sure, but he ended up, you know, doing what he needed to do to get that win, to get the interim um, belt and, and get that title fight where he, he battled Aljamain Sterling again in a very, very close fight that ended up uh, with a split decision loss for Pieter. Um, you know, but I think it's very interesting and very important to look at the Corey Sandhagen fight um, in terms of this Sean O'Malley fight. You know, Corey Sandhagen didn't have as much of the reach that uh, Sean O'Malley will have on Pieter Jan, but he had that reach. He had um, the, you know, want to keep it in a distance fight and really use his elite striking to hurt Pieter and, and keep him um, at bay. And at the end of the day, you know, that was working for a bit. He was landing, landing strikes, but, you know, Pieter Jan, it didn't, it, it didn't do enough. That was a five-round fight. This is a three-round fight, non-title fight, and I think, honestly, that is going to make all the difference in the world. Um, you know, Pieter Jan hasn't had a three-round fight since 2019. He's used to 
um, having the time to make adjustments to really get into his groove for a title fight. And I think he's going to be in a bit of trouble. Um, you know, this is sounds kind of crazy, but I'm going to ride the uh, the hype with Sugar Sean O'Malley plus 220 uh, underdog. I'm going with O'Malley by decision or O'Malley by TKO, you know. Um, I think it'll be a surprise for Pieter Jan how really effective uh, Sean O'Malley's striking is. I mean, I think he might have the best striking in the game uh, behind maybe, you know, uh, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky or, or one or two other guys or maybe, you know, Izzy. But I'm going to go with Sean O'Malley by this, uh, this unanimous decision or potentially if he's having enough success, TKO. Now, that brings us to one of two incredibly, incredibly exciting title fights. This one in the bantamweight division, we have TJ Dillashaw, the number two ranked contender, 18-4 and four record, coming up against the champion, Aljamain Sterling, 21-3. and three. Aljamain Sterling coming in at the minus 175 uh, favorite with TJ Dillashaw as the plus 150 underdog. You know, this fight is exciting, exciting, exciting. You know, we just talked about um, Pieter Jan, Aljamain's champion, or sorry, opponent for the last two fights um, in which he won by split decision and obviously the disqualification. You know, he never wanted to really win like that. And you also look at some of the guys that Aljamain Sterling has beat. I mean, he beat Pedro Muniz a unanimous decision in 2019 when Muniz seemed unbeatable. Corey Sandhagen, uh, by submission in the first round, I might say, uh, when Corey Sandhagen was looking dangerous, um, you know. And then obviously his last two fights have been against Pieter Jan. Um, but this is going to be a very, very exciting fight. Um, you know, Sterling's got a one-inch height advantage, 5'7 to 5'6 on Dillashaw, but a four-inch reach advantage on Dillashaw, and I think that's going to be very important um, because Dillashaw's going to, or sorry, Sterling's going to want to keep a distance with Dillashaw, um, you know, keep that striking distance and then maybe shoot for the single leg, double leg um, once he's maybe, maybe able to establish those striking, um, those strikes and those combos a little earlier. Um you know, this is going to be really exciting. Um, I honestly, this one's one of the more toss-up um, fights that I, I've had to make a decision on recently. Um, you know, technically, Dillashaw has a better submission average, but I think that's just because he's, you know, had a couple less fights or two less fights uh, than Sterling's had, and, you know, he's been out of it for a little bit. Honestly, I mean... <laughs> Dillashaw, uh, we'll see. I mean, this is a guy that he's had one fight since his suspension for PEDs. Um, so we got to see, hey, is this guy for real or is or is this, you know, the PEDs talking? That being said, um, you know, he beat Corey Sanhagen in an impressive, impressive split decision win. Honestly, a, a fight that I didn't think he won, but a close and impressive fight nonetheless. Um, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Aljamain Sterling uh, versus wrestling and Muay Thai and TJ Dillashaw. But, you know, Aljamain Sterling, definitely a wrestler um, as well. Um, I think I'm going to go 
with a, a Aljamain Sterling split decision win. I think that he controls the octagon, controls the fight enough that he's able to, um, you know, score enough points to really get this fight uh, in his advantage. You know, I don't see any, uh, any of him really, you know, ending this fight early. Um unless he gets TJ Dillashaw in a really compromising position. But at the end of the day, I really do have um, Aljamain Sterling retaining that belt. And then, hey, you never know. Maybe uh, Peter Jan beats the brakes off of Sean O'Malley and uh, he calls for a nice title fight. So who knows? We might have a, a round three or we could have an insane Peter Jan versus TJ Dillashaw fight. Either way, I think it's going to be exciting. And now... We come to probably the fight that I have been the most excited about uh, since it was announced. For months I've been waiting for this one. I think we've all been waiting to finally, finally have a unification or an actual lightweight champion. And that is going to be found between the number 4th ranked Islam Makachev coming in with a 22-1 and record versus the number 1 contender Charles Dubronx Oliveira, 33-8. and I had to really stop myself from calling Charles the, the champ right there because at the end of the day, he purely is. Um, you know, I'll start with Islam um, because he's who I'm a little less excited about. I'll kind of say a lot of the things that I feel like have, have been said recently. Um, everyone's kind of like, how did Islam get this fight? Yeah, he's got this, uh, you know, 9-10 win or 10-fight win streak, but at the end of the day, he's fought two top 10 guys. Um, you know, and granted, both of those he won in dominant fashion. Drew Dober, Dan Hooker, both who very, very impressive. Um, but then he was supposed to fight uh, Benal Darius. Benal Darius, I believe, was injured or something happened. He had to pull out, and then... Islam ended up fighting Bobby Green, who wasn't even ranked. And it was just like, no one's really excited about that fight. Um, and he was still saying, I deserve this fight. I deserved it over Justin Gagey, blah, blah, blah. First of all, I think that really Islam needs to to be humbled. Um, I think he's had the fact that Khabib is his cousin and his trainer. He thinks that the, he's invincible. Uh, when in all... Like, fully, he hasn't been tested. Uh, he's never seen adversity since his second fight in the UFC when he fought uh, Adriano Martins and he lost by TKO. So I think the biggest thing and the biggest reason why people are not sold on Islam is, hey, who has he fought? You know, the guys that he's fought, when has he ever seen adversity and how has he responded? You know, and then you can also say, obviously, he hasn't seen adversity, adversity since he's so good. But I don't think that you can say that with his level of competition. So, I mean, that's that, that's my piece on Islam. I'll, I'll move to Charles Olivier, who I'm sure you'll see is, is my favorite guy that I'm just so excited about. Absolute journeyman in the UFC. I mean, his couple of losses are against greats. I mean, he's lost to Cub Swanson, a guy who's been in the UFC forever. Frankie Edgar... Um, arguably a a um, UFC Hall of Famer, Max Holloway, 
everybody knows Max Holloway. Um, Anthony Pettis, Paul Felder. You know, he's had a couple of other rogue losses, um, but, you know, he's beaten the who's who. Um, He beat Kevin Lee by submission, beat Tony Ferguson by unanimous decision, a fight that none of us thought was going to go the distance. I mean, he dominated Tony Ferguson. He put Tony Ferguson in positions that Tony Ferguson had never been into. I mean, he dragged Tony Ferguson into deep water and pulled him underneath. I mean, that armbar might have been one of the dirtiest things I've ever seen. And, I mean, I will give it to Tony Ferguson. He didn't tap, but you see the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the holds that Dubronx can get into. Um, And then we've seen it, I mean, his past three title defenses, uh, yeah, Justin Gagey technically wasn't a title defense, but title defense. But he missed weight by 0.2 pounds or, or something like that. I mean, um, Charles Dubronx is the champion by every single metric. Um, you know, so we look at the Michael Chandler fight, dominated in the first round, especially at the end. I mean, knocked down, hurt, comes back out the second round. He initially, like, just starts it off and controls the round and KOs Michael Chandler. Dustin Poirier, I believe he was knocked down once, um, and then he controlled the fight, got Dustin Poirier's back, submission. Justin Gagey, I mean, that was an interesting fight because that lasted one round. And, uh, you know, Charles Olivier was knocked down three times and or sorry, two times with one time, you know, he took Gacy to the ground and Gacy just got up. Um, and he was still able to weather the storm and get the dub. Um, I mean, that's, I think, the most contradictory thing in these two fighters is that we've seen Charles Oliveira get pulled out of the shallow end really into deep water where he's been in trouble. And he has come back every single time and found a way to win. Um, now, stylistically, I will, like I said earlier, like this is one of the most interesting fights because you look at both these guys and, um, you know, you see Islam, he's a wrestler. He's going to try and take it to the ground like Khabib always did. He's going to try and control um, really the pace of the fight and just drive, you know, Oliveira into the ground, keep him on the ground, tire him out and everything. But there's also the fact that Charles Oliveira is not uncomfortable on his back. If anything, he's more comfortable when you come down to him. And his striking, I mean, Charles, or Justin Gagey said after their fight that he's never been hit that hard in his entire life. And that's Justin Gagey saying that a guy who walks forward on literally any fighter uh, and just takes shots. And he's saying that Charles Oliveira, the guy who's just getting all these submissions, hits harder than just about anybody in the UFC. So that's why, you know, I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira. He's pissed, pissed, pissed that he got his belt taken away uh, after their last, or before their last fight. I think, you know, he's mad at the fact that they're using these um, OG kind of scales when they could be using the electric ones. He thinks he won. I mean, I mean, obviously he won, but he knows he's the champion and he feels disrespected. 
he's pissed that everyone has kind of talked about Islam being better than him and um, already being the best lightweight. So I'm going with Charles by a TKO round one or two. I think that's where he can be the most dangerous because I think that's where uh, Islam doesn't expect it. I think Islam expects the submission attempts uh, and the grappling that Olivier has already showcased. But these... uh, these combos that Olivier is able to hit are impressive, man. And so to drop guys like Justin Gaethje, Charles, or sorry, uh, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. So I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira. Either way, I think it's going to be an incredibly, incredibly exciting fight, an incredibly exciting card. And we will check back in next week and we will talk about how our picks went and look forward to our next UFC card.